Big Brother is watching you. Are you familiar with that phrase? Does anybody know where that phrase comes from? Thank you. 1984. So this is a book written about a futuristic 1984. I think it was written in like the 40s or the 50s by a man named George Orwell. But it is a science fiction novel. It's called 1984. And in this, in this novel, England has been taken over by a strict and oppressive government led by a figure known as Big Brother. And what the government has done is they have installed microphones and cameras in every room of every house so that they can see everything that anyone is ever doing or saying. You guys are looking at me like this can't be real, but it is, at least in the novel, 1984. Um, there's even a special branch of government in George Orwell's you know, dystopia here, and this branch of government is called the Thought Police. What the Thought Police do is they watch these cameras and they observe your facial expressions. And if there is even a flicker of the corner of the mouth or a blink of an eye that might seem to indicate maybe you're not totally buying what the government is selling, the Thought Police will storm your house, drag you away, and you're never going to be seen or heard from again. It's terrifying to imagine living in a society like that. Right? How, how much more creepy and oppressive could your life be where everything you ever do is being monitored and even your every thought is being monitored, attempted to be monitored. And in this novel, probably unsurprisingly, the main character is driven from fear to anger to finally outright rebellion against the government. And who could blame him? Right? Big Brother is watching you. What a terrible way to live. Thankfully... 1984 is just a, it's just a novel. It's just fiction. We're not being monitored and tracked quite like this in real life. And I know some of you are like, nope, I want to talk about AI, and Google is tracking our searches, and smartphones tracking everywhere that we go, so we can talk about that at a different time. But I think that we could safely say, you know, for now, we do live in a world where being tracked and watched 24-7 by Big Brother is thankfully still science fiction. And yet, we are being tracked and watched 24-7 by someone. And the someone is God. That's what David says in Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. In other words, David is saying, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, God is watching me the whole time. And he's not just watching my actions, and he's not even just watching my words. He is watching my thoughts. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You perceive my thoughts from afar. So unlike the government in the novel 1984 that's you know, looking at people's facial expressions and trying to guess if there is dissent against the government there, trying to guess what you're thinking, I mean, in real life, God actually knows what we're thinking. In fact, God knows us better than we know ourselves. So a God who is you know, on it like that with everything in our life, it starts to feel kind of like we're surrounded by God. And David expresses this. He says, God, you, you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand on me. Uh, it's like God is all up in our business. 
He's next to us, he's in front of us, he's right behind us, he's on us. There is no place that we can go to get away from God. And in fact, David says that too. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, I'm going to go hide in the dark. Even the darkness is not dark to you. For night will shine like the day. Darkness is like light to God. He can see right through it. So, you put all of this together as David kind of builds into this psalm and pretty quickly we've established two key points about God. The first point is God knows everything about us, even our thoughts. Second point, we can't escape from God anywhere we go. Okay, so now the question for you guys and just for us to ponder on this morning is, how does this make us feel? This like holistic, just absolute view of everything you do. That God can see it all, he knows it all, you can't get away from him. How does that make you feel? Well, honestly, I think it's a little bit overwhelming, isn't it? And David was overwhelmed a little bit because his line was, he talks about God this way, and then he says, such knowledge is, is too wonderful for me. You know, this whole topic is, is too lofty for me to attain. If I were writing this psalm, I wonder if I would have said something different than, this is a little too wonderful for me. Uh, maybe I would have used words like, this is a little bit intimidating to me. Or, this is a little bit terrifying to me. Because if you think about this, if God really sees and knows every last thing about us, then that means that sometimes God sees and knows some bad stuff. All of our lives contain moments that we're not proud of, moments that we'd like to put behind us, things that we would just like to not think about again. Uh, but if someone were to go through your life and like record all of those moments and make a video, would you want to watch it? Would you want anybody else to watch it? Let alone God to watch it. But like it or not, God has seen all of our moments from the very beginning. So David continues with this, and he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes even saw my unformed body. So God has known us from the very start. God has known everything about us from the moment we began to exist. And this includes the knowledge, as David says in a different psalm, the knowledge that surely I have been sinful from birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And God knows this about all of us because God has seen it all. Every time that you smacked your brother or sister as a kid, every time that you talked back to your parents under your breath as a teenager and they didn't hear you, um, every time you shared a piece of gossip or joined in laughing at that person who was different, every lustful thought, every greedy wish, every selfish thought that as soon as you thought it, you're ashamed of it, and so it never came out of your mouth, but you still thought it. There's only one person in the entire universe who can see all of this, but it just so happens to be God. It just so happens to be the Lord of the universe, the one with the power over life and death, and the one with the power of what happens after death. Are you going to get punished 
when you die? Are you going to get rewarded when you die? The person who makes those big decisions also just so happens to be the only person who has seen every single last wrong thing that you've done or even thought. How does that make you feel? If it's not terrifying, I don't know what is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. And so as you start to think of God in this way, it starts to make sense and you start to understand why so many people today are seeking to live a life without God in it. So this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's so important connecting to this psalm. If you look at human history, if you look statistically at the people that have lived in this world, the vast majority of people have always believed that there's got to be some kind of a God up there. The existence of a created world implies that there's got to be a creator. The existence of natural law in our hearts shows us that there must be a lawgiver. And then, just like the depth and the beauty of, of human existence, it makes us think there has to be more than just this life, this short life, right? There has to be more than just this world. And of course there is. There's a spiritual world. There's an afterlife. And we have a hint of this just naturally, just from looking around. And this whole topic, this is called the idea of the natural knowledge of God. It's the idea that just by looking at the world around us, just by looking at the law that God has placed within our hearts, we have the natural idea that there is some kind of God up there. And that is why through the course of human history, the vast majority of people have believed that there's got to be some kind of higher power. But now, we're in 2023, and supposedly now this is a time where human beings are smarter and more advanced than we've ever been. We understand more about this beautifully complex world than we've ever understood. And yet, what are today's incredibly smart, enlightened, modern people doing? They're explaining God out of the picture. Saying things like this, I don't believe in a supernatural world. I mean, people believed in a supernatural world back in the day, but I'm sure that if you dig in deep enough, there's got to be a scientific explanation for everything. And my response to that would be, really? Why? What would lead us to assume that the only things out there are the things that we can see and touch and test and prove? How do we know there's not all kinds of things going on out there that we cannot see or touch or test or prove? Why must we be so limited in our worldview to only what's provable by science? And does that even make sense to think of our universe that way? More often, I think what people are really doing in today's highly intelligent, enlightened world is what people are really doing is just trying to not think about God. So people will say things like, I'm just not worried about God. I'm going to try to live a good life. I'm going to try to be a good person. And I'm sure that, you know, whatever comes after is going to turn out just fine for me. And again, my response to that would be, why? Why would we assume that? If there's an eternal afterlife, and if there is potentially a God up there who's in control of it, does it not seem like it would be a good idea to try to connect with that God in this world and try to get this figured out before we go chance it in eternity and just see what happens? I don't know that that makes a whole lot of sense. So the point that I'm trying to make here is in our society, which prides itself on being so smart, and in many ways, which is very advanced, we, we know a lot of things, there is one area where we are actually very foolish, and it is the area in which we deal with the existence of God. 
living in a world like the one we live in, with bodies and souls like ours that long for eternity, I don't think it makes sense to try to explain God away and not think about him and not have him in the picture. So why do people do it? The answer is because it's less scary than the alternative. You think about that. The alternative is that there really is a God so big and so powerful he can see everything you've ever done and everything you've ever thought. And this same God is the one who sets the moral standard. So he is totally holy. He is absolutely perfect. And that's the God who's in control of everything that happens to you in this life and what's going to happen to you in eternity. And if that's the case, holy, perfect God sees anything you ever do and he's in control of eternity, like, what chance do you have? What chance in eternity could you ever possibly have? A God that is that big and that perfect and that knowledgeable and that powerful is terrifying. That's why people will explain God out of their worldview, even though it's not logical. Because a God like that is terrifying. Unless he loves you. Unless he loves you. Now, why would he love you? (laughs) Why would he love me? Why would a God that is that big and powerful and morally perfect love any of us sinful people, especially when he can see all the wrong things that we've done or said or thought. Why would God love us? Well, we have no idea, but he does. And in the Bible is where we learn this just incredible truth about God that we would have never guessed on our own. Not only does he love us, not only does he want us to be in heaven, and we talked about how we are his project and he's working to bring us, but But more than anything, he was willing to sacrifice his own son to make it happen. That's just amazing. And that's the truth that's summed up in surely the most famous verse in the whole Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will get to have eternal life. That is a truth we could never have seen coming until God unveiled it to us in the Bible. And that is a truth that changes everything. It makes us view God in an entirely different light. Now, let's start thinking back about the things this psalm says about God, and now we're looking at it all differently. What if the reason God is watching over everything we do and say and think is so that he can know each and every last one of our sins and pour his perfect forgiveness over every last one? Right? What if the reason God is around us all the time, with us everywhere we go, up in our business, is so that he can protect us from any evil that could ever come, and so he can make sure that he guides us safely home to heaven? If God loves us, if God is on our side, then all of a sudden all of these psalm verses start to sound very different. You've searched me, Lord. You know me. That's a good thing. I want God to know everything about me, including every last hidden sin, so that he can cover them all with the blood of Jesus. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And that's a good thing. That means no matter where I go in life, God is with me, and he is going to guide me, and his right hand is going to hold me fast. Also, we had those verses about God watching over our life from the very beginning. And that's a good thing. 
because it means God has arranged our lives in such a way that he could connect us to his love and plant the seed of faith in our heart. I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Think about that one. Years before you were ever born, God already knew the date of your birthday. He already knew what was going to be the date of your baptism. He already knew the date that you were going to meet your spouse. He already knew the date that you were going to have your first child. Already when God was forming you in the womb, he could see the good times and the bad times that were coming, and he began putting together this complex and beautiful plan to guide you through all of it and bring you safely home to heaven. And now what God is doing in your life, in your everyday, is he is carrying out a specific plan, a plan he has for you, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, until that final minute when he calls you home safely to an eternity of glory. So it is amazing how different life looks when you are looking at God from the angle of grace and his plan for you instead of the angle of judgment. Maybe this would be the way to describe it. Looking for a picture to kind of sum this up. I think looking at God is kind of like looking at a lion. It's powerful, it's ferocious, it's absolutely terrifying until you realize that this particular lion is not attacking you. It's protecting you. It's getting ready to use all of its ferocious strength against your enemies. If anybody wants to hurt you, they're going to have to come through the lion first. And so all of a sudden you shift from fear and intimidation to confidence and comfort. Does that make sense? The lion's on your side. And that's exactly what happens to a person's view of God when they encounter the message of the gospel. And they realize that instead of trying to destroy us, God is here to rescue us. It is just a total 180 of how we look at God. And so now, instead of wanting to push God away and keep him out of our stuff and and keep him away, now we want God to be as close as possible. We want God in every corner of our life so that his love and protection are covering every corner of our life. And so we eagerly say with David, search me, God. I want you to know my heart. Test me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. God, I want you to see if there's any offensive way in me. Because he's a God of forgiveness and love. And God, I want you to lead me in the way everlasting. The way of God knowing all my sins, covering all of my sins, loving me despite my sins, and carrying me home. And so, brothers and sisters, this is the reality. We are living in a world full of people who are very uncertain about God. And in this world, you have been given a powerful gift. It's a gift with the ability to transform the entire lives of the people that you know. And that gift is the good news that God loves us, that God is on our side, that God forgives us. And that good news is just an absolute game changer for the way that human beings think about God. It moves us from fearing God and resenting God and explaining him out of our story to wanting God to fill every last corner of our lives. So may God bless us and may God bless you as you go out into your world and you share the good news of a God who sees and knows everything about us 
And that is the best and most comforting truth that there ever could be. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus your Savior. Amen.